Welcome, everybody. Today's uh, parasha is called Lech Lecha. I want to dedicate this shiur to uh, Jose Lezar Hernández Peña, Ben Maria Dolores Peña. Um, tov. So, huh? that's somebody that passed away. Do you want to dedicate someone? Yes, of course. I'm sorry? Harmony. Uh-huh. Eden. Uh-huh. That's your daughter? Okay. Uh, what is your name? Melanie. Okay. So we also want to dedicate this show to Harmony Eden, but Melanie. Uh, may these may this class and all the viewers of this class uh, have the merit. May they earn the merit um, in Gan Eden. So, Lech Lecha. What is Lech Lecha? Go forth. Go forth of what? This is what I want to. This is what I want to do different. Lech Lecha, just like Parashat Noach, we can relate to, but this one, we can connect to. This is about, this is what Abraham went through, we are going through. We've gone through, or we know someone that's, that, that went through it, right? Lech Lecha. It starts off with what? First Aliyah is, God commanded Abraham to leave his father's house and homeland and travel to the land that he will show him. That right there on its own. What do you, what do you get out of it? What do you understand out of that? Hashem told Abraham to leave, right? To leave what? Everything. His comfort zone, his, his, his surroundings, friends, family. Right. Everything. Does that sound familiar? The moment we accept Torah, the moment we accept Hashem, we have to leave everything. Everything that we know, everything that we were taught up, you know, everything that we grew up knowing was life, right. we have to do like that. But the secret to it it's just what you said. Leaving the comfort zone. Sometimes we don't want to do what Hashem has told us to do, which is what? Fulfill our purpose. Why? Because we are too comfortable. Everything is too comfortable in the sense of what? We have a good job. We have, you know, good friends. We have a wonderful home. We have this. I'm not saying those things are bad. It's just Abraham was a very rich man. His family was very rich. He had to leave his home. So it's kind of like, what's another story that we've heard that they had to go through almost the same thing, Lech Lecha, was when the Hebrews had to leave Egypt. Remember that? Yeah. They left Egypt and what happened? A big majority of them stayed. Why? Because they were too comfortable. Yeah, we're slaves, but we have homes, we, we eat well, we, we're taken care of. Yeah, we work. 23 and a half hours a day, but it's okay. I have half an hour where I can go. You know? That's exactly what, what, what we all go through when we're trying to, to look for emet, for the truth, which is in Torah. It's also leading what's familiar to exactly. going to a strange place. Exactly. Not only a strange place, but in reality it says a place of the unknown. Abram didn't know where he was going. The only one that knew was Hashem, right? Mm -hmm. 
So how, how, how would it be to leave everything you know? So let's just say if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, obviously the older you are, the harder it is. But saying, okay, you know what? I want you to leave everything. That's just like, okay, well, really? Not only that, okay, well, you know what, Hashem? All right, I'm going to leave. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith in you. Where am I going? Don't worry about it. Just go. Seriously? <laughs> right, all right. That's why it's so... That's why Abraham... He wasn't Abraham yet, right? He was Abraham. That's why... He's the father of all the nations. If you notice, it starts off how? It says that he did not earn, or I'm sorry, he, he did not get the merits just by default. You guys remember reading that? What happened? He had to go through 10 tests of faith. That's one of the things that I, that I hear on a constant basis, on, on a regular basis, and I'm pretty sure all of you have heard as well. Is that a lot of uh, people, people I mean like pastors and things of that nature, they always talk about, oh, Abraham was blessed, Abraham was this, we all need to be like Abraham, he had millions, he was a billionaire, yeah. father of the nations, this and that, but no one talks about what he had to go through. That's where the secret's at. We do not get the blessing unless we understand the tribulation that we had to go through. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Any questions? In the commentary, it says, A heavenly test is one that forces a person to choose between God's will and his own nature. That's exactly right. Of what is right. That's exactly right. It makes no sense to me or whatever. This is what God said to do. So There's a saying, and I heard once a rabbi tell me. He said, because I asked him, I said, How do you know when you're doing God's will? And he said, When you don't understand it. When you understand it with your logic, then the majority of the time it's your will. It's like, but when you don't understand what's going on, when he says, Lech lecha, leave whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's, sometimes it can be family members, sometimes it can be friendships, sometimes it can be job positions, sometimes it can be whatever it may be. And Hashem says, Lech lecha, and you don't understand why. You want me to go, for example, my situation, when he told me, Lech lecha, he closed all the doors, in Brownsville, where I was at, I was always in business. I was always self-employed. And he said, Lech lecha, leave and go to a place that you don't know how you're going to support yourself. You don't know how you're going to get a job. You don't know how, what you're going to be doing. You, have no, you, know, you don't know anybody in that place. You're going to a community that you don't know. But I want you to go. Lech lecha. What do you do then? Right? You go. But the thing is, it's out of my logic. Now I understand at least maybe 25% of it, right? Yeah. I understand why I'm here. But the thing is, that is faith. That is emunah. What, did, what was Abraham known for? What does Abraham represent? Chesed. What is chesed? Kindness, right? But the thing is, it's very interesting that kindness is not what we think it is. Kindness, well, well let me ask you all this. What do you think is the meaning of Kindness. What is kindness to y'all? What is kindness to you? To me, it's um, loving your neighbor as yourself. Okay. What is kindness to you? Okay. <laughs> what is 
what is kindness? And and there's no right or wrong answer. Just just so you know, I'm not you know I'm just asking because I was asked the same question by Rabbi Wolby. Yes. Um, Excellent, Rabbi. Yes. I think for me, it's treating other people the way I want Hashem to treat me. Okay. Or uh, going the extra mile when you don't want to. Going the extra mile when you don't want to. Okay. A willingness to help in a situation. Okay. Charity, Sadaka, perfect. The Torah states, and this is the response that Rabbi Wolby gave me. If kindness, if we all had the same meaning of kindness, why does everyone have a different answer? You notice everybody gave a different answer. Not saying that it's wrong, but then what is kindness? Kindness doesn't have thirty definitions, right? The Chachams said this. You give true kindness, you show true kindness when you connect to the person. But when you connect in a deeper, in, in a very spiritual manner. What do I mean by that? If you analyze yourself 100% of the time, like if you're really honest with yourself, do you give kindness because you want to get rid of the person? Yeah, you know what? Do you offer the solution or do you give kindness? Meaning, someone comes and asks for, for tzedakah. You know, can you give me $10 and that? Yeah, 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 here. Are you giving them $10 because you're connecting to the, really, are you connect, do you feel that person's pain? Or are you just giving them so he can leave? Just to resolve the situation and that's it. That's what Abraham would do. He would connect with the, with, with the, with the person. He would feel the person's pain and connect in a spiritual level and then, and then he'd give the solution. That's true chesed. Chesed is not just about finding the solution. It's about connecting with the individual, connecting whatever the person is going through. Right? That makes sense? Yes. So that's what Abraham was known for. Chesed. What was the one thing that he would do always? Does anybody know? He would host people, which is called nowadays Kiruv. He was the first one that did Kiruv. What do you mean, Kiruv? He, was, he had an outreach program. His home was an outreach center. He had doors from the north, east, south, and west. And basically, he would host all the people around the world to come in, have lunch, have dinner, whatever. Give them a feast. Whatever they wanted. And all they had to do was one thing. Do you know what that was? To give thanks to the Creator, which we call in the Torah is what? Birkat Hamazon. Birkat Hamazon is a blessing you give after you eat. And if they didn't want to do it, then he charged them a ridiculous amount of it. Okay, so it'll be $30,000 for this play. What? Are you serious? Okay, it's either you pay $30,000 or you, you, you give thanks to the Creator. Okay, thank you, Abraham. No, I didn't give you the food. It wasn't me, it was Hashem. That's what he would do on a daily basis. Who's he? Abraham. Abraham did it? Right? But the prayer was before the food or after? After. after. He would feast, he would host them, and then once they were done, then that's when they would bless the Creator. Right? So, um, you had a question? Yeah, if, it, if it normally we, when you're going to start eating, you bless the food, right? Right. There's no any... No, 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 yeah, that's, that's, that's going... No, I'm, I'm asking. Right, right. The thing was, since he was hosting pretty much people from the outside, like they weren't religious at all, they, weren't, they didn't do anything, they would come and he would kind of trick them by doing that. So if you say, hey, we'll pray before you eat, they'd probably walk out. 
But by them starting to eat, then he would trick them and be like, okay, now, now, you, now you don't have a choice. You already ate my food. Does that make sense? Right. So if you come... That's also the one that's in the Torah, not just the Ural Torah, but the Torah says that after you eat, thank Hashem. Exactly, exactly, yes. But Halakha takes it to another level, which is we give, great, we give thanks to Hashem before we eat, and we give thanks to Hashem after we eat, right? But how do you trick a person when you want to make them religious? Like for example, you want to invite them for Shabbat? Come, don't worry. Do whatever you want. Just come, come. Eat kosher food. You want to play with your phone? You can play with your phone. That's fine. But you entice them. Then after they're there, like, oh, what, 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 what's, what's going on here? You know, this is fun. This is cool. Okay, you know what? Maybe I can go a couple hours without my phone or without the laptop or without Facebook or whatever it may be. Except if you're going Facebook Live teaching Torah, then it's something else, right? <laughs> but um, that's how you... you you trick the person, but you don't trick them in a way where you're taking advantage of them. Right? He was doing keto, which is what we do now. He was doing it since back then. He knew. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly, which is actually a secret that a, well, a, 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 a rabbi once told me. He says, You want to know a secret if you want to have, like, if you're into, like, if you want a huge house, do that. If you want the house where they say, oh, I, I, I want a 30-bedroom, $15 million mansion. Why? Oh, because, you know, I want to live comfortable. No, it's not good enough. But if you want a house where you're going to host people like Abraham did, if you want to be able to, you know, you're going to be doing keto of 100%, you're going to have people in Shabbat, you, you know, you're, you're going to use, you're going to utilize that place, that home, as a blessing, as a blessing to do keto, an outreach, then you'll have it. It goes with anything, not, not just a house. I, I, I want a $50,000 suit. Why? So I can impress people. I think we said this in one class. No, with the, with the Rolex watch? Like, why do you want it? The same thing with him. Why do you want the house? Why do you want the suits? Why do you want the big car, the, the nice car? It comes down to all that. It's just... As, as we said earlier, as, as we mentioned in the past class, it's everything we do has to be because we sanctify the name of Hashem. We represent Hashem in the highest level. Does that make sense? Uh, can I just read the commentary? No, of course. It's about the trials, talking about the trials that Abraham went through, and it says, um, um, God does not impose trials that are beyond the capacity of the individual. God tests only righteous people who will do His will, not the wicked who will disobey. Exactly. That was interesting. Exactly, and we mentioned that when we said, "Oh, well, how does He punish the bad, the rashas? How does He punish the people? He uses the bad people. He's not going to use the sadiq." Which actually goes to the to to another value in in, in the point of. When we go through trials, when we go through difficult times, we may say, why me? I can't go through this. I, I really can't. But that which you just said in commentary, it says, Hashem has already created the solution before He created the problem. What does that mean? How can you create a solution if you don't know what the problem is? And I should have backed up a sentence because it says, um, the outcome is never in doubt to God. He knows that the person being tested will persevere. Exactly. Exactly. That, but with, in order for you to do that, you need to have what? Emunah in Hashem. 
Abraham had a hundred percent. Actually, he didn't have. He had bitachon, which is an upgraded level of emunah. What is bitachon? Bitachon is confidence. He had certainty in Hashem. Emunah is a little bit lower. When you have bitachon, it's like if I tell you this suit is is green, you're gonna be like, "What? How is it green?" You have certainty; it's black, right? That's the same amount of certainty that Abraham had when Hashem told him lech lecha. No matter what happens, no matter what I go through, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, no matter what obstacles are thrown against me, I trust Hashem no matter what. Hashem gives, Hashem takes. But Hashem is always good and He knows that He... he Hashem always gives the best at the exact time when I need it. How many of us can say, uh, I'm pretty sure everyone has been walking in Torah, what, for my, at least two years? Right? So what would have happened if you would have gotten the Torah ten years ago? Would you have appreciated? Would you have valued it as you do now? Would you have given the rabbi five minutes? Or would you have, would, would, would you have tried to teach the rabbi something? Because I know I would have. If I would have gotten this... We prayed for Yeah, if... If I would have gotten this 15 years ago, it would have been a different outcome. What is the name? What is the word that you use? Bitachon. Bitachon. B-I-T-A-C-H-O-N. Bitachon. That's the ultimate goal. Is to have bitachon in Hashem always. The moment you have bitachon in Hashem, everything changes. You are now living the life of Abraham. Right? Remember how I said, which actually goes to the next uh, part. So, second Aliyah, and indeed because of her beauty, Sarai was taken captive and brought to Pharaoh. God struck the members of Pharaoh's uh, palace with plague, causing Pharaoh to hastily release uh, Sarai. Pharaoh loaded Abram and, and Sarai with gifts and riches and had them escorted out of his land. Abram returned triumphantly to Canaan. Okay, so what happened here is they went to Egypt. Who went? Three. Three people. Who were they? Abram, Sarah, and Lot. And Lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Lot. Lot went with them. Why? So one may say, why did Lot go? Why did he have to do anything with them? Because his father had died. Right, right. And so Abraham took over his... But why leave where they were at to go to Egypt? What did Lot have to do with anything with these two sadiqs, with these two righteous people, Abraham and Sarah? Oh, because Abraham was mercy with him and taking right, right, right. him out there. But it's kind of like, okay, well, there's a couple that's going to go have dinner, and then the third party comes and says, well, I'll go. Why? What was Lot like? Where does it say he went to, went to Egypt? I will give you the verse uh, after the class. Just remind me. Okay. Uh, but where did Lot... Um, what was Lot like? If you can describe him as, an, as a person, what would he have been? Well, knowing what we know, what he did later when they had to choose between the land, he was very um, self-serving seems to be. He wanted the best. He, um, he wasn't that... It's hard to make judgment. He was greedy. Somebody greedy. He was greedy. Yeah. 
He was greedy. He was all about himself. He wanted the best and, and whatever. As they say in the business world today, what is it? I'm going to step on toes for me to get ahead, right? That's, isn't that the, 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 um, the business mindset of today's generation? However, you remember how I told you in one of the last, I don't remember which, parasha, uh, which class it was, but I said, Lot did something and through that action, he merited to have the Messiah come through his lineage. He saved Abraham's life. He had the opportunity to kill him. Do you remember when I said that? Oh, yes, I do. And I was like, how? Because when they got to Egypt, and they found Sarah in, like, they had tried to hide her. And when they found her, they asked, is Sarah married? What did Abraham react? How did he respond? No, where he's, she's my sister. At that moment, Lot stayed quiet. He could have said, whoa, uncle, what's going on? This is your wife. What's, what's going on? He stayed quiet. That was when, that's when I, when, when, when I told you, he had the opportunity to kill him. Why was Lot there? Because he was protecting his investment. He was protecting his assets. Abraham, Abraham was a multi-billionaire. He had no children. He had no family members left. If they would have killed him, who's going to keep the riches? That's why Lot was there. He had to protect his rich. He had to protect his investment. It's like if my uncle dies, where's the money going to go? I want it to go to me, so I have to be by his side all the time. Yeah. Right. So he was merited only because he stayed quiet. Right, but may I ask why? Stay quiet. He's done. A, he 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 did something else in. Uh, the motive was wrong, but he still merited. How was the motive wrong? Because he was protecting his investments. Right, right, but if he was if he was protecting his investment, he would have said something because they would have killed him. Why? Because at the times of Egypt, they had the theory, or or not not the theory, but they had this this custom where nobody would mess with a married woman. Why? Because they had to ask their father, like a single person, they would ask their father for the blessing. That was the only way it would be blessed. Which is why. They didn't, like Abraham didn't uh, introduce himself or say that he was Sarah's husband. Why? Because all they would do is kill him and keep her. Rabbi Wolby was talking Sunday uh, in class about that. He said in, in those days, taking somebody else's wife was, it was a big, big, no, no, but murder was okay. Well, be, would, do you know why? It's okay to kill him and take yeah. the wife, but as long as she was married, she was, yeah. said it's kind of, which actually in Kalachai and Torah, the, 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 the uh, consequence of being with a married woman is much worse than killing somebody. It's crazy, right? So, in uh, Jewish Kalacha, in one of the, like in, in one of the, the uh, oral law, it says it is the punishment is bigger for a person getting involved with a married woman oh, okay, I got it. than killing somebody. Ah, shalom bayit, shalom bayit. You notice that uh, you know one of the things where Hashem, I don't want to say lied, but he kind of twisted things was for shalom bayit. But going back to this, um, so he introduced himself as a brother. Why? Because then they wouldn't touch her right away. They, they wouldn't know what to do with her. Why? Because she may be married. Or the father, like they would need to get the permission, the blessing from the father, right? Yeah. How times have changed. Now it's a, it's a merit if the parents even find out that the child's married, right? It's a, it's a, it, it's, what did I do to, 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 
to merit this information. When back then, it's like without the blessing, it, it was pretty much doomed to failure. Right? So, they find Sarah. Mamash, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, 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 beautiful person that we don't even know what kind of beauty it was. And they said, this one's for Pharaoh. We're going to give her to Pharaoh. Who is she to you? Is she your wife? They ask. And Abraham said, what? No, it's my sister. Lot was right there. What did he do? He stayed quiet. He didn't say anything. He went along. Now, let's pause there. And they say, well, he, all, all, all he did was stay quiet. And he earned such a huge merit to get the Messiah down his lineage. How? Why? So that means all I have to do is stay quiet? No. What it means is, as we've discussed this in previous classes, is we get rewarded depending on the effort. The fact that he stayed quiet, knowing that he's a very greedy person, he wanted money, he wanted his uncle's money, and, know, and he knew this is the time where I can have it. Not only am I going to get my uncle's reward, but I'm going to kill, or they're going to kill him, and the Egyptians are probably going to reward me. But the fact that he stayed quiet, he went against his ego, he corrected a trait. So, for example, they say, and this is very true: if you have, if you're, if if you're wrong in a discussion, you have a tendency of staying quiet, right? But the true merit is when you're right. And you stay quiet. Even if you have the upper hand where you can tell this person everything in the dictionary. But you stay quiet. Sometimes by us staying quiet, we get such a bigger reward than if we just blurt things out. Does that make sense? That's how Lot got his, that merit. He had the opportunity to kill Abraham. Maybe not him physically, but with his words. And the fact that he didn't, Hashem rewarded him greatly. Because this guy was a, he was a greedy person. All it was is money. It was a restriction. Probably on a couple. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I am Bill Gates' right-hand man. I want his treasure. And then I get, you know, he gets confronted in a situation. And pretty much I can say something. And they take, it, they take his life. And I get everything. But the fact that I don't, doesn't that mean more? Saying, okay, you know, you're, I'm working on my greed. I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing restriction. Right? I have a question there, if you don't mind. Of course. Um, why in this case, uh, Abraham uh, make that statement? Why did he make the statement? Because it was to protect Sarah. Because at the time, if, he would, if they would have been married, all they would have done is killed, uh, killed Abraham and taken her. But the fact that he presented as a brother, it was like kind of like of the unknown. Was she married? If she's not, okay, so where's, where's her father? Where does he live? So we can ask, you know, so it, it bought more time. And then it wasn't until they took her to Pharaoh and all these uh, plagues happened, right? Which is, what does that teach us? What is another secret of that? There's plenty of secrets, so, but <laughs> it's... <laughs> that's Exactly. What? Hashem is still in control. So what does that tell us? Is if we're doing Hashem's will, we're protected by Him. Hashem says, if you do my will, I will make your will mine. I will fight your wars. All you have to do is sit still and be quiet. I will do the rest.
which is which is what happened here. I'm sorry, I'm kind of lost. How Abraham is doing his will if he is hiding or buying more time in this case? What do you mean? Because you're saying that the, if you do your will in this case to God to Hashem, uh, how is in, in this position that Abraham was in that moment? How is because he was protecting Sarah. The thing is, the custom back then was before you marry a female, you have to get the blessing from the father. If you're already married, all they did was kill the husband and take the wife. So the fact that he, 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 he passed as a brother rather than a husband, then they weren't allowed to actually take her yet. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So he was protecting what... Uh, he, he, was, uh, he, was, he was protecting Sarah by doing that. Therefore, it was actually, I think it was like 90 days that they were there. It was three months. It was a total of three months. And they never touched her. Once Abraham couldn't do any more, who stepped in? Hashem. Right? You get it? Yeah, we have to do everything we can. Once we hit our point, then that's when Hashem steps in. I think I read somewhere, and correct me if this is off, that um, Hashem protected Sarah from uh, Pharaoh so that later when she became pregnant with Isaac there could be no question yeah of course the Abrahams the moment right? Pharaoh would have touched her it's there over been, game okay, game over well they've been married all these years and never had a child so it could have there's a possibility it could have been Pharaoh's it could yeah that was the I think the ultimate reason for protecting exactly exactly not only that but the women for hashem is such a valuable that's why modesty is so big in torah it's such a uh, it's it's how can we compare it and it's a bad comparison but so we can get the understanding it's like a diamond if you get a 50 carat diamond you value it right you put it away, you take it out, you see it, you put it back away, you take it out. Oh, wow. You know, you've seen it 150 times, but yet you don't get tired of it. Why? Because it's, it's so valuable. It's the same, that's, that's how Hashem sees the female. He, 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 he values it so much. That's why, if you notice, the halakha, the, the, uh, the, um, uh, the commandments in the Torah... There's certain things that women must do to keep that value up. What do you mean? Cover the hair if you're married. Why? Because it's beauty. It's a sign of beauty. Right? Uh, that's why the, the 12 days of Nida, which is like the impurity stage, it's like Rabbi Wubi gave a great comparison. It's like if you have a rich uncle and he says, what I have in my garage is yours under one condition. You can not say no, when I call you, you have to bring it back, no questions asked, and put it away. Do you agree? And they said, yeah, okay. So he opens a garage, it's a Ferrari or Porsche or whatever car you, you like, a diesel or whatever it may be. <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, this is awesome, thank you, Uncle. This is not, yeah, you earned it, though. No, no worries, just remember our deal. Okay. So he takes it, he's cruising, you know, he's going this and that, sleeping in the car, you know, the new aroma, everything, right? <laughs> he's doing everything in the car. And then, in the middle of the month, the uncle calls. Hey, how you doing? Thank you, uncle. You know, this car is excellent. I'm getting so many friends. This and that. Okay, well, it's time to bring it back. Good. He's like, okay. So he takes it back, puts it away, give me the keys. All right, see you in 12 days. What is he going to be doing in those 12 days? 
Exactly, right? Mission is like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't wait till I get back in it. I can't wait, you know, I can hear the engine already. I can hear, you know, this and that. That's the same way it is between couples. You have 12 days that you're away from the wife. And then after those 12 days, what happens? Ah, you know, it's like meeting the person all over again. That's what Hashem talks about in this situation, in, 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 in this um, Aliyah words. Hashem values and treasures the female so much that look at what he did. He intervened. He not only, he could have done something where Pharaoh would have been upset. But the fact what happened, Pharaoh got scared. Where he came, he's like, hey, what's going on here? Why is this happening? This, all this started happening the moment Sarah walked in. Why? What's going on? She married? That's when Abraham told the truth, this and that. And what happened after that? Pharaoh sent his troops or his soldiers or whatever he had and escorted them out with all this treasure. Right? How did they get the treasure or why did they get the treasure? They got it because of Sarah. And this is a secret, this is the, the secret where you get that the parnasa, the blessing, the livelihood, comes from the wife. It doesn't come from the man. If they're single, it comes from them. But the moment they get married, the mazal, which is the... Uh, um, no, it's like, it's like, I don't want to say your luck, but uh, your mazal, it's like your, your, your livelihood, the blessing... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it comes from the same thing. Yeah, um, the livelihood of the couple comes from the female, comes from the wife. So you may ask, okay, well, the wife is immodest. The curses come to the husband. If the wife does this, that's not supposed to. Curses come. It affects the husband. However. If the husband does not take care of his wife, it affects the, the parnasa. So it could be positive, but it could be negative. Yeah, of course. It's, it's either or, but the thing is, it comes from the wife. That's why it says, if you make chazma shalom of your wife cry, it can, it can cause a lot of big problems to the husband. The Rabbi Shalom Aush says, and is in the Garden of Peace, which is the uh, book, Hashem, we will talk about soon, which is about uh, Shalom Bayit between the marriage. It says, everything in the hu the husband, whatever he sees in the wife, is because he has to change within himself. She's the mirror. He should never confront her, because when you confront your wife, it's like you're confronting Hashem. So meaning, if the wife does something, it's because he's doing something. It's just a reflection. Right? So we have to keep that in mind where the wife, the parnasa, the livelihood, the blessing, the money, everything, how, you know, it all comes from the wife. So it's the motivation where, you know, yes, you have a big role. <laughs> the, at the beginning of the portion where he's told to leave, and the commentary says, Abraham took Sarah through persuasion because a man is forbidden to take his wife to a foreign land without her consent. Of course. So it, it all revolved that if Sarah was willing to go. Of course. If she had said no... They, he, he wouldn't be able to go. Because Shalom Bayit is so important. Shalom Bayit to Hashem is everything. What is Shalom Bayit? Peace between two. 
Because shalom bayit is not just between marriages. Shalom bayit can be with the, with two friends. And the fact that you intervene for two people, saying like, let's just say, um, both of you have an argument, and I come and I say, hey, you know, she didn't really mean that. She really meant good, you know, this and that. And you believe one thing, and then I go tell you, you know, she feels really bad. She 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 uh, she didn't mean what she said. But the fact I I could be lying. But the fact that I helped y'all come back together, that's Shalom Bayit. Right? Hashem believes so much in Shalom Bayit that is exactly what you said. He couldn't force, Abraham could not force Sarah to leave if she did not agree. So if, she, if Sarah would have been like, no, I, I want my security, you know, I, I don't want to do that. I why, why are you going to take me out of my house, out of my comfort zone and take me somewhere where you can't even tell me where? Right? If she would have said that, game over. You wouldn't have this. We wouldn't be here talking about this today. But that also says the faith that the fem- that Sarah had in Hashem to the point where it is the faith of the f- of, of of the wife, where all the faith that she had transmitted to Abraham. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. That's why you choose wisely when you get married. She be connected to the Torah, may she have faith in Hashem. Because if she doesn't, then that's where you're going to have conflicts. Any questions? Yeah, it is, it is amazing how in this case, um, the same person who is supposedly is blessing him and giving the covenant to him, uh, at the same time later on, it becomes like a... When... Uh, I don't know, angel, the two people that comes to them and they promise to have a baby, she laughs. Mm-hmm. And when she laughs, delay a lot because she doesn't have faith in that moment. Just she didn't have faith. Well, she had faith in the moment, but the thing is she, she didn't, she thought Hashem was playing. That's why, what does Isaac mean? Yeah. Laughter. Yeah. yeah, because of that. But that's where Hashem twisted it. Yeah. Hashem didn't when 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 Hashem told Abraham, he didn't say, "Oh, Sarah laughed when I told her that." Right? What did Hashem say? She was of old age. Huh? She, it was because of her old age that she laughed. Exactly. Yeah. He twisted it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it's like not hurting his feelings. Well, that's. Uh, can you imagine such a righteous man? He would get upset. So, for example, there's a story that Rabbi Mizrahi gives that uh, he married, or he didn't marry, but he met these two couples, which were very, very religious. And the wife was very modest, that they were engaged. And uh, they were looking for apartments in, I assume it was New York, because he lives in New York. And uh, as soon as they walk into the apartment, the, real, the realtor was there, and he says, oh, hello, you know, shook his hand and shook her hand. And the husband, or the fiancé, was just kind of like, okay, well, I guess. Calls the rabbi in the middle of the night. He's like, hey, do you want me to cancel the wedding? Because she, she shook his hand. And the rabbi's like, no, are you serious? Like, she was put on the spot. This and that, you know, it's a different situation. She's not like she went out to the bar and started shaking everyone's hand, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, it's, it was, it's the shalom bayit. It's, it's, it's the fact that there has to be in everything, halakha, absolutely everything in your walk with Hashem, there has to be a balance. 
Right? There has to be a balance. How do we know there has to be a balance? Because Hashem blesses us with one thing. What is that? Well, He blesses us with many, but you know, this topic is common sense. Common sense is such a huge, 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 huge tool that we can use that we kind of have a tendency of throwing it out the door the moment we, we start studying Torah and this and that. Not everybody is blessed. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. <laughs> everybody has it, but not everyone uses it. You know what I mean? So... Of smart phones and stupid people. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing is, we have to have a balance in everything we do. And a balance does not mean it's such. I don't use that word a lot because a lot of people confuse balance with laziness. Uh, you know, I have to have a balance. I, I, I can't be orthodox in overnight. But yeah, but you have ten years in this doing nothing. It's like really. It's like come on. You should be advancing, right? I'm a lost shalom bite. Shalom Bayit. Bayit, Bayit, spell. B-A-Y-I-T. And that's house? House, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In this situation, it's Shalom Bayit, it's Shalom Bayit between the, be, be, between the, the uh, husband and wife. Right, okay. Yeah. But Shalom Bayit can also be, it's not just that. Yes. Just saying. But in this situation, we're, we're, we're talking about um, the marriage. Before we move on. Uh, just a comment. It seems like this section is a preview of what's going to happen on a big scale to all the Israelites in Egypt because Abraham was in the land, Jacob was in the land. Mm-hmm. There's a famine. Mm-hmm. There's a famine. They had to leave. Abraham went into Egypt. Jacob went into Egypt. Then Sarah was just here was taken captive. It's kind of like a preview of slavery. Mm-hmm. And then plagues came to mm-hmm. Pharaoh like it did, mm-hmm. and then Pharaoh says, get out, leave, and sends them out with all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it's kind of a preview of what's going to happen yeah. Yeah. to the nation. We, we, we see all, everything that we've discussed in all the classes, we all can connect it to this generation. We get Sodom and Gomorrah. Do we not see that today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's greed. Do we not see lots here in this generation? But we also see Abraham's. It's just, it's so much craziness that's going on. That, yeah, you're, you're right. Everything that we discuss in the parashas, we can relate to this generation. And that's bad. Why? Because unfortunately we can connect more to the negative than the positive. So if we want to kind of get an idea of what's coming, rather than go to a fortune teller, <laughs> look in the Torah and see what has happened. If you want, right? If this is what's coming. If you buy a Ford, are you going to read a Chrysler manual? Why? Because it is not the same. Exactly, right? You want to read the Ford manual, right? If you want to learn about life, why are you going to go to a fortune teller? Why don't you go to the creator of the fortune teller, right? Exactly. Which is the Torah. Abraham also threw himself upon his face. Yeah. Yeah. Which actually they give. I that before. I forgot it. Yeah, yeah. It, it actually, it's. about Sarah. Yeah. He had a sense of humor. And it starts off, the parasha starts off how? What did he do? He destroyed all of his father's idols, right? And what did he do? He put the stick on? In the last one's hand. On the last one's hand. And then when the father came in, what happened? He said, oh, well, this one got upset at all of them. You know, he got jealous and he started destroying them. 
that's a sense of humor right there. It's like really like it's kind of like uh, he was a uh, smarty pants, as they say, you know, to keep it PG thirteen. But the thing is, probably knew that didn't happen that way. Yeah, of course. Is a dead spec idol. So he was a. It illustrates exactly. It illustrates the point perfectly. So I just read the commentary on that. Since Abraham's laughter was not skeptical but jubilant, he laughed out of sheer joy at the news that Sarah was there. Mm hmm. Yeah. When they left Egypt, who else came with them? So now we have three, right? Abraham, Sarah, Lot. But when they left, they had four. Yeah. Who was the fourth? Um, Lot's wife? No. Oh, no. The Agar, Agar, which was Pharaoh's daughter, yeah. um, which actually that reminds us, huh? It's a strange that he would have his daughter to be a slave. That is the beauty of of, of Torah. In commentary somewhere later on, it says Pharaoh saw that God was with Abraham. And he, he realized it would be better for Hagar to be a slave in a righteous man's exactly. house than a princess in the land where she was. Exactly. Exactly. So when we go back, and I hear this every day uh, when I speak with people, it's ever since I started walking with Hashem, I lost my business. I lost money. I lost this. I'm having so much problems, including myself. It's like, I don't know. I hear from all the rabbis, and I can say this. Honestly, I don't know how the bills get paid, but they get paid. Right? And I'm pretty sure we all can relate. But the fact is, where else do we hear that same verse in another parasha? I would rather be a slave to the righteous one than be a king or, or queen to this worldly palace. Where do we hear that? Anyone know? Last week's parasha, Noah. With the dove. I would rather eat uh, scrapes, you know, but as long as it's from Hashem, than be fed by a human, which was Noah. So meaning, I would rather live out there, in, you know, in the world, instead of the ark, that when he brought the olive branch, right? right? It's the same thing, same concept. We, that's the beauty of Torah, that's the beauty of Hashem. Is we need to be, we need to live Every day, depending on Him. Now, that doesn't mean just sit back and do nothing. No. But mean with 100% of bitachon, of confidence in Hashem. Knowing that He's going to help us in it, throughout everything. But we need to do our part. So Rabbi uh, Yaron Rubin once said, so how do you know? So for example, okay, well, you have to do your part, obviously. But how do you know how much? What percentage? You do as much as you can. Right. But even then, I mean, how do you know how much... So, for example, you have a 100% scale. How do you know the percentage of that you have to put and Hashem will put? Do you know? Is it when you don't understand? What do you mean? When you don't understand. Yeah, but for example, in this situation, it comes with the parnasah, with the blessing. Okay. How do you know if you have to put this much and Hashem puts this much? Rabbi Rubin, Yaron Rubin says in one of his lectures, depends on your emunah. If you have 30% emunah, then you have to do the rest. But if you have 100% of emunah in Hashem, 
Hashem will do 100%. But the question is, are you being honest with yourself? Do you really have emunah? Emunah does that mean, you know, walking, pacing down the room, you know, for six hours, figuring out how you're going to pay, pay the light and saying, oh, I have emunah in Hashem. No, that's not emunah. How do we know? Because Abraham wasn't like that, was he? When, Abra when Hashem told Abraham to leave, he wasn't pacing down. When Hashem told Abraham to sacrifice your son, did he leave at 11.59 at, in the evening? Did he have a feast saying, you know what, son, it's been a pleasure. You know, it was, it was nice having you around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Say goodbye, you know, go say goodbye to your mother. No, what did he do? First thing in the morning. That shows Emuna. Of course, Hashem has already done his part by setting up the circumstances. Of course. But the fact is, are we going to follow through? Yeah. Are we going to obey? Hashem is already, for, when the moment you decided to start walking in Torah, Hashem planned everything out. The problem is, as I said it in our past lectures, what's, what's the biggest problem? I don't mean to scare you, I'm sorry. No, 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 you uh, Okay, okay. The problem is that we don't want to get out of the driver's seat. When you walk in tour, you have to get out of the driver's seat and ride shotgun. Ride the passenger seat. And have Hashem drive. But no, you want to sit in the passenger seat and get the wheel. Press on the brake, change the gear. And Hashem's like, hey, let me drive. Let me do what I got to do. Right? That's the problem. That's, that's, that's when the car starts going, you know, to different lanes and this and that when you want to get the wheel. You need to have himuna. Bitachon in Hashem. That's the goal of each and every day, just like Abraham had. But Abraham had, Abraham had it. Why? Because Sarah had it. Because Sarah was a righteous woman where she had confidence 100% in Hashem. Because if Sarah wouldn't have had it, he wouldn't have had it. Any of the blessings. Because remember, where, where does the blessing come from? The wife. That make sense? Any questions? So I just want to, um, as I said, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I want to kind of focus a little bit more on Musar and actually go step by step on the Aliyahs. But... Does anyone know, this comes in next week's parasha, does anyone know, obviously we all know what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Mm -hmm. Which we can see in different cities in the U.S. nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but does anyone know how they got destroyed? Um, it's in next week's parasha, I'm jumping a little bit, but yeah. just so we can have an idea. Sulfur. Sulfur. They got burned. They got, and actually, one of uh, Sodom's wives, if I'm not mistaken, turned into uh, salt, the stone, which is actually you can find today. Lot's wife. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lot's. Lot's. I wasn't Sodom. I'm sorry. Yes, Lot's. Yeah, you you can find that statue today. It was not a statue, but it's just a pile of salt. Wow. And in that place, uh, I don't remember quite where it's at in the Middle East. I think it's towards. I have to get back to you on that. There's sulfur. There's sulfur on the ground. But you can find high concentration. Actually, that's that's where the sulfur mines came out. Was in Sodom and Gomorrah when they got when when they got destroyed. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 in that area. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> so, why is it 
that Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed. Besides, obviously, everything, all the filth they were doing. But there's a secret there. Because they didn't allow anybody that was not wealthy to come into their town, and they would destroy them if they did, or they would scare them out by sodomizing them and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. They were the angels. Right, right, right. Um, they didn't take care of the poor at all. Right, right. Didn't they outlaw kindness? Outlaw them? Right. Outlaw kindness. What else? Um, Which we can see, we can relate to, to the point that I want to make in this generation so much. What was one of the reasons? Everything, yes, that you guys said, yes, you are correct. Was the sin, the sin that they have, it is too mm-hmm. high? or Because they never did shuvah. Uh, repentance. What happened with Adam and Eve? Mm. Hashem said, what did you do? Wasn't the point, wasn't to start blaming people. It was to do shuvah. Shuvah means Cain. forgiveness. Same with Cain, when... When Hashem asked Where is your brother? brother? Well, that's a Hashem that's an opportunity knew. of tshuva. So how does that relate to today's generation? Yeah, is that so many of us are being lost because we're not doing tshuva? But not only that, is how is the yetzerara? Who's the yetzerara? Is the opponent? How is he brainwashing us or defeating us? Is exactly using the mentality that Sodom and Gomorrah had, which is what? We're sinning, but not only are we sinning, but we're believing we're doing mitzvahs. We're doing the right thing. I'm a sadiq. But really, you're a rasha in the eyes of Hashem. You're a wicked person. Not only are you not doing the shuva, you're not asking for forgiveness, coming back to the path of Hashem, to your purpose, but you're being prideful, and you think you're right. So therefore, you're lacking what? What do we start off with? Chesed. Kindness. Pride is the opposite of that. Right? Pride means I'm the best. I'm this. I'm 100%. You're 25%. I'm beautiful. Eh, you're alright. <laughs> I'm rich. You're barely making it. I have the Porsche. And you have the imitation one. <laughs> Does that make sense? The goal is to be like Abraham, to have chesed, to be kind. How do we be kind? As I mentioned earlier, you have to connect to the person. And I'll give you an example. When did we have, when did we see in a public scale, in a public stage, that the world had chesed? On the public stage? Yeah. When, when, when did you see People have chesed, have kindness. Exactly. September 11th, when the tragedy happened, everybody had chesed. Why? Because it was such a tragic event. God forbid anything like that happens again. But, this is exactly what this parasha is telling us. Why is it that we have to wait... When in bad things to happen to us for us to have hesed. Right? So pretty much it's like saying, oh, well, you know what? God forbid, but the Egyptians had to take Sarah, abuse her, and then kill her for Abraham to have hesed? No. He had it before that. 
But it all comes down to if for you to have chesed, what do you need? You need to have faith in Hashem. How does that relate to faith? How does being kind relate to having faith? Do you know? Because you want to be like God. Like Him. Okay. Because yeah. you want to be obedient. Okay. And uh, has fear to Hashem too. Okay. That's important. Right, right, right. But then you realize that nothing's yours. When you have a munan Hashem, you know Hashem gives you everything. So those thirty thousand dollars you have in the savings account is not yours. That's when you can connect to people more. When you know nothing is mine, it's it's Hashem. Hashem is giving me to give. When you start studying Torah, when you connect those two, again, when we have a what? A balance. By you having a munah, faith, and when you have bitachon, which is a certainty in Hashem, you know that everything is from Him. Everything, everything. The, the fact that, obviously, the higher level you go, is any person that comes to you, you know Hashem is bringing them to you for a reason. There's something that has to go on there. Whether it can be, and it, the, the, the solution 100% is not giving them money. For example, there's a story where this homeless person came, knocked on, the, on, a, on a millionaire's uh, door, opens the door like it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and says, can you give me, he said, like, oh, you know, I'm very hungry, can you give me money? So he gives him money, closes the door, and, and the person walks away. And the wife was standing on the stairs, in the, what do you call them, in the... Stairway, no, the where you go up the stairs on the top. What do you call? Yeah, yeah. the bow. Yeah, and she's seeing her husband, and as soon as the the husband closes the door, he opens and runs out again. He runs after the 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 beggar. Gives him money and then comes back. The wife's like, "What? Why did? Okay, you gave him money the first time. Why did you go back out and give him more money?" He's like, "Because the first time I gave him money so he can leave." But the second time I give him charity. Ramam teaches, sometimes when you give, you're not giving because you're connecting with the person. But you're giving because you're getting rid of the person. Does that make sense? So, that is what Abraham teaches us. 100% in Munah. Because he went through 10 tests, tests of faith. That's what the commentary says. Right? It was ten tests of faith that he got that he had to go through. Not only with him, but with his wife. Not only with his wife, but with his family. Not only with his family, but with his spiritual life, with his spiritual walk. Not only with that, but with his kids, with both of them. Because one of them was rejected and the other one was to be sacrificed. So it's kind of like when does it stop? Like really, when does it stop? But Abraham knew, if Hashem is telling me to do these things, is one, because I can, and two, is because there's a greater purpose for this. And if it wasn't because of all that, he wouldn't be who he is. Right? Then it also goes into, in the parashah, talking about the covenant with him, Abraham, and Hashem. What was the covenant? What was the pact? The brit milah, circumcision. Which actually goes into, and I don't want to jump ahead, but how was the circumcision done back then? With stone. It wasn't until when? 
David Amelech. Really? Yeah, it wasn't uh, David Amelech before he 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 uh, defeated Goliath. David Amelech made an uh, an agreement with the angel of metal, saying, "If you help me defeat Goliath, from this moment on, the Brit Milas will be done with metal." So I said, "Okay." How do we know they're being done with metal? Knife. But that's, I jumped like a few parashas down. <laughs> let me come back. Let me, let me, let me come back. Let me, let me come back a little bit. How else could he have done a hundred circumcisions to get his wife? Right? Right, right. <laughs> so, um, okay, we are almost done here. You have any questions? Phew, you did a lot. <laughs> So again, let me be, be before I finish off. And again, I, I didn't want to cover all the aliyahs. I wanted to go more into the Musar today because I connect personally to Lech Lecha. And I think we all do. Because Lech Lecha, any person that leaves um, idol worship, Sarah, and come to Hashem, they all have to do Lech Lecha. They all have to leave everything. It's very hard. I get asked this question every day by different rabbis saying, why are you doing what you do? Why did you leave everything? Why did you leave the business and this and that? And it's just not me. It's everybody here in this room. Why did y'all do? You either have to be very crazy, like mentally insane, <laughs> or in love with Hashem. Now the thing is, is we can connect to Abraham Avinu. Because Abraham was the same way. And not only that, but what does it also talk about in the beginning? That he left his father of old age. Why did he have to say that? Because it says that in any situation, if Hashem calls you, you need to go. He could have used the excuse, hey, I had to take care of my parents. I had to take care of my dad. But no, Hashem says, you got to come with me now. You got a lech lecha. You have to walk. Don't worry where you're going to go. Don't worry where you were. Worry now. Which is the same thing when Egypt, when uh, the Israelites left Egypt. What was it? If they had 100% of emunah in Hashem, the, the manna, the bread, would have fallen in their doorstep. It would come to them. They didn't have to go look for it. Hmm. It's the same thing here. You have to learn how to have emunah Hashem. How do we have emunah Hashem? How do we have faith? How does our faith grow? Rabbi Elonavah says that you're already born with it. It's already a part of you. The thing is you have to, you have to look for it. Wow. You have to find it and then you have to work with it. But the way we know is by studying this book, studying the Torah. When we study the Torah, we see what, how Hashem really is, the type of God He really is. He's not this, this tyrant with a long beard with a bat ready to just swing at somebody and someone slips. No. He's goodness. But we have a tendency of taking, like, uh, again, we have a tendency of manipulating things from the truth, from Emet. Alright? So he says, no, you know, I have a balance. I'm, I'm taking my spiritual balance. Yeah, but you've been lazy. You're not doing anything. Or, yeah, I'm giving charity. No, you're not. You're getting rid of the people. You're giving them the solution. You're not connecting. Sometimes a person does not want, and they may tell you, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have the solution, but sometimes they want to connect. So for example, a person comes and wants to 
release whatever they're feeling, they come and speak with somebody, right? Do they want a solution? No. They want someone to connect with them, to understand them. And I think, and Rabbi Wubi said, I'm, I'm not married, but I'm pretty sure whoever is in this room can relate to sometimes the wife wants to, the husband to connect in a, in a spiritual level and just creating the solution. Is that accurate? Yes. Right? Okay. So, that's having true chesed. That is having true kindness. That is having true kindness. Like Abraham Avinu. So, before we finish this class, I want to encourage each and every one of you to start doing at least one act of kindness. Do something different. And again, oh, I, I give on a regular basis. No. Get out of your comfort zone. Do something. That doesn't mean go out and you know drive 50 miles and you know give a, a burger combo to somebody. No. Do something different. Connect with the person. As we mentioned earlier, as people connected, what were people doing in 9-11? After 9-11, they were doing phenomenal things, right? But why did it stop? Why did it stop? Because everybody went back to that comfort level. They went back to that comfort zone, everyday life. But could you imagine if everybody would step out the way Abraham did? How life would be so different? How the world would be different, right? So it starts here. It starts now. This week, Lech Lecha, we have to do what Abraham did. And we're doing it. Baruch Hashem. But we need to do more. So, Bezrat Hashem, and we all learn, first of all, the true meaning of chesed, the true meaning of kindness. And, may we all put it into action, into our daily lives. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Facebook. Again, I want to give you all the opportunity, live stream and Facebook. Um, all of our viewers, if you want to partner with us, uh, Nativ. To do, basically, we're just trying to spread more Torah to all over the different nations or all over the world. Um, so we want to give you the opportunity, whoever is not partnered with us yet, uh, to uh, inviting you to join us and be part of the Nati family. So thank you for joining us live stream and Facebook. Everybody here, and Hazakwo. Um, everybody say shalom. Say shalom to the.